we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and the first part of first verse of chapter 3 a moment ago. And we read in that passage about three different groups of people. Uh, three groups of people that are represented, all three are represented by people here this morning. Uh, first of all is what the Bible calls the natural man. That man that's in his natural state as a sinner. You see, we're all born uh, with sin-tainted blood. All of us at some point in our life make that first decision uh, to do wrong and become sinners. And so the natural man is that, is that one who has not been saved, that one who has never received Jesus Christ as our Savior. And the, what the verse that we read in verse 15 says that these folks have a hard time, almost an impossible time, understanding the Bible. Um, uh, the Bible says in verse 15, or I'm sorry, in verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit for God, for they are foolishness, foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And for the natural man, because he does, he's not saved, because he doesn't have the Holy Spirit, he doesn't have anyone that lives inside of him that helps him understand what the Bible is trying to say. Now, on the other side of the spectrum is the spiritual man. They, they, they are spiritual. In verse 15, it says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Again, it just doesn't say that they're saved, but, they say that, but it, the Bible says that they are spiritual. You say, preacher, how, what's the difference between being saved and being spiritual? Well, somebody that's saved has asked Jesus to be their Savior. Somebody that's spiritual has given their life or are in the process of giving their life over to the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit begin to take control of their body, begin to take control of their mind, begin to take control of their total being. And so you can either be lost where you don't know Jesus at all, and there's probably some people like that here this morning who have, have nobody to help them understand the Scripture, and then you can be saved. You are, you're saved and you're spiritual because you're giving your life over to the Holy Spirit. Now listen, when you get saved, you get all the Holy Spirit you're going to get. The question is, how much of yourself are you going to give Him? That's a decision that we need to make as Christians. Every single Christian as an individual needs to decide, I am going to die to self. I'm going to give myself to the Holy Spirit. We're encouraged to present our bodies a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service. Now, in between those that have no spiritual discernment and those that are getting spiritual discernment because they are surrendering to the Holy Spirit is the carnal person. The carnal person is mentioned there in ch- chapter 3, verse 1, and, and it, where it says, And I, brethren, so he's talking to brethren, he's talking to fellow saved people, but he says, I can't give you what I want to give you because uh, you're, you're, you're carnal. You're, you haven't surrendered yourself to the Holy Spirit. You've kept back all of yourself, and even though you're possessed by the Holy Spirit, uh, he has no control of any of you. And so instead of giving you meat, as Paul says there, i got to feed you with milk. He says in verse 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. And so in every church, in this church, in this congregation this morning, there are representatives from all three groups. 
There are those here that don't know Christ. There are those that are saved and have not given any of themselves to the Holy Spirit. And then there are those that are saved and are in the process of giving themselves and surrendering themselves to the Holy Spirit. Now, I tell you about those three groups of people because there's one group of people that are going to understand completely what I'm going to preach about today. The other two, you're going to have a tough time with it. The spiritual person, one who is giving themselves over to the Holy Spirit, are going to understand some of the things I'm going to say. I'm going to preach today about Bible paradoxes. A paradox is is a statement that doesn't seem to make sense. From From an earthly standpoint, from a human standpoint, it doesn't seem to make sense. But in a spiritual sense... As, we're, as the Holy Spirit helps us discern it, it makes complete sense. Now, I have seven of them. I was going to try to get them all in one sermon, but I didn't fear you wanted to stay here till 1230 this afternoon on the first Sunday of the year. So I'm only going to cover three of them this morning, and then I'm going to do the other four uh, tonight. So these are paradoxes of the Bible. Number one, the world says you must see it to believe it. The Bible says, and God says, you must believe it in order to see it. Now see, it it doesn't, what the Bible says doesn't make sense to the earthly man. How can I believe something that I can't see? David wrote in Psalm 27 verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living David says, I I would have fainted. I would have not been able to live my life unless I'd seen the goodness of the Lord, the goodness that Brother Gary sang about, the goodness that we talked about in Sunday school this morning, unless I had believed to see that goodness in the land of the living, in the land where I'm living now. I'm alive today. That's what it means by the land of the living. I've got to believe to see it. Now, the world says, human nature says, well, I don't believe it unless I can see it. Now, I, I, I talk to a lot of people, say, preacher, show me heaven, show me hell, and then I'll believe it. Well, they know I can't. I can't show them heaven. I can't show them hell. You've got to believe it in order to see it. You have to believe that there is a God. You have to believe that there is a God that can reward and punish You have to believe that he passes out rewards and passes out punishment based on what we do with Jesus Christ. You have to believe that you're a sinner. Bible says we're all sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. And you got to believe that you're a sinner. And because you're a sinner, God has the right to punish you, to separate you from him. And when you believe it and you put your trust in Jesus Christ, then heaven becomes real then hell becomes real. You may not be able to see it before you believe it, but after you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you know that heaven is real, you know that hell is real, and that we should do everything possible to keep people out of hell. Listen, when when God came to Noah and said, Noah, I, I want you to build a boat. I want you to build an ark. And God gave him instructions for how, to, how long to make it and how wide to make it and how high to make it, how many stories to have, how many windows to have, how many, how many doors. I think there was only one door. I think it was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven. There was only one way into the ark. By modern standards, it wouldn't pass the test because you always got to have more than one exit. But God knew. God was in charge. He knew they didn't need more than one exit. Uh, but God gave Moses specific instructions about the ark. 
Now, Noah could have said, from a human standpoint, from a natural man standpoint, well, God, let me see the rain, and then I will make the ark. You see, when God told Noah to make the ark, it had never rained. I mean, God watered the earth with the dew uh, that, that, that came up from the earth, but until the flood and, and started raining in Noah's day, there was no rain that fell on the earth. And, I, and, and, and the natural man says, you, you want me to build a boat because it's going to start raining? Well, what's rain? Let me see the rain, and then I'll start building the boat. Well, you know, if, that, if Noah would have taken that, taken, take, taken, taken that attitude... You see, I listen to myself when I preach. Uh, but if Noah would have taken that attitude, uh, his, he and his family would have never made it. I mean, they were shut in the ark for seven days before it started raining. And then when it started raining, he didn't have a hundred and some years to put that boat together. I mean, he would have drowned. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, by faith... Noah, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He didn't wait until he could see it to believe that God was going to destroy the earth with a flood. He says, I believe it. And when he believed it, he saw it. He saw it. World, if, and this is what the world says. Show it to me. Show it to me so that I can see it. I can't show it to you. That's where faith comes in. If you could see it, you wouldn't need faith. Faith is believing what God says in this book when you can't see it. And when he says there's a heaven, and when he says there's a hell, and the difference between going to heaven and going to hell is the Lord Jesus Christ, we, by faith, need to believe it. And then we will see it. Number two, the world says you got to get better to get saved. God says you got to get saved to get better. You see, the Bible teaches us we are not capable of getting better on our own. In the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 6, the Bible says, When we were without strength, when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Now notice the words in that verse. When we were yet without strength. The word without doesn't mean that you have a little bit. It doesn't mean that you got a little tad of something. When the Bible says without, it means you don't have any. You don't have, you have none. I I was going to say you don't have none, but that's a bad English. Of course, all my English teachers are gone this morning, so I don't, I guess, have to worry. But Wayne would probably tell them, you know what, anyhow. uh, But we don't have strength. We don't, have the, we don't have the strength to improve ourselves. We don't have the strength to get better. We don't have the strength to change. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. You see, I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ because there's nothing that I can do to make myself better to deserve what he did for me on Calvary. Absolutely nothing. Lots of people say, well, I'll turn over a new leaf and, I, and, I, and I'll live my life in, 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 in a righteous way and I'll do good things. Those are good things. Those are wonderful things. But none of those things will make you right with God. None of those things, those good things that you think you can do will get you saved. The Bible says that that, that it's not of works, lest any man should boast. 
The Bible says that all our righteousnesses, all the good things that we can do in God's sight are as filthy rags. So all the attempts that I make to get better, all the attempts that I make to please God will fail. I can't get better to get saved. I have to get saved to get better. When I get saved, I put my trust in Jesus Christ. I don't bring any of my righteousness. I have none to bring. I don't bring any of my good works. I have, I, 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 I have none that are worthy of the salvation that God offers. All my attempts to please him will, 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 will go to no avail. I mean, they won't make any difference. The only way that I can please him is come to him in faith and say, I'm a sinner that needs a savior. Saying that you got to get better to get saved is like saying, I'm really, really sick, and when I get better, I'll go to the hospital. I mean, I really, really, really feel bad, but before I go to the doctor, I'll wait till I get a little bit better. That's the way I feel. I'd just get better and never go to the doctor. But anyhow, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. If you're sick, you need to go to the doctor. And if you're lost, you need to go to Dr. Jesus. You're not going to get any better on your own. You're not going to do good works to deserve salvation from him. You're not going to get better to get saved. You need to get saved to get better. Because when I get saved, say, preacher, you mean when, when, when you get saved, you get better? I sure do, because I become a new tr- creature in Jesus Christ. I become a new creature in him. All things become new. I have a new way of thinking. I have a new way of living. And it's letting the Holy Spirit again take charge of my body and live through me. See, I'm still a sinner. I still have that old man that lives inside of me. But the Holy Spirit moves in. And the new man is bigger and stronger than the old man. And if I let the new man win, the new man will win. He will. And so I don't get better to get saved. I get saved to get better. And then number three, this is the last one we'll do this morning. The world says, when I understand, then I will obey. God says, you obey, then you'll understand. Uh, the world says, explain it to me. Explain why I have to do this or why I should do this, and then I'll do it. And God says, just do it then you'll understand why you need to do it. In John chapter 7, verse 17, the Bible says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of his doctrine. Notice the order of the verse. It's not knowing the doctrine and then doing his will. It's doing his will and then knowing the doctrine. I don't get an explanation before I do it. I don't need to understand it before I do it. I just need to be obedient and do it. And then I will get the understanding. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 111, verse 10, Good understanding have all they that do thy commandments. Understanding doesn't come before the doing. Doing comes before the understanding. I obey first, and then I understand. There was a lot of things my dad told me to do when I was growing up. I didn't understand why he wanted me to do them. On occasion... I tried to question him and understand why he wanted me to do certain things. Usually when that happened, I didn't get the understanding. I got the razor strap. My dad was trying to teach me Bible principles. He was trying to teach me that I needed to be obedient to my dad. And then eventually, if I was obedient, I would get the understanding. Well, that's the same way that God works. God tells us to do something. We say, well, why? 
Why should God says, look, after you get saved, I want you to get baptized. And, and, and some people say, well, why should, I do, why should I do that? I don't understand why I should get baptized. And we always try to explain that baptism has nothing to do with salvation. It's just a way of showing people that you've identified with Christ. But you probably really don't understand why you should get baptized until you get baptized. Once you get baptized and take that step of obedience, then the, the Holy Spirit will open up your understanding and say, oh, yeah, I understand now. I understand. Some people say, well, I don't, I don't understand why I should come to church. I can worship just as much at home. I can watch those TV preachers, and there are a whole lot better preachers on TV than, than you get here. But I can worship, I can worship God at home in, in my living room. I don't have to get all dressed up. I can stay in my pajamas. I can have uh, some uh, milk and cookies while I'm watching the preacher. I mean, if that makes a difference, well, never mind. We're not going to let you have milk and cookies. But, uh, and, and you don't understand. You won't understand until you're obedient to the command that says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. There are things that you will get here that you will not get at home in front of the TV, listening to the TV preacher. You just need to come. You need to be obedient to what God says. Then you'll get the understanding of why he wants you here in a place like this. Some people say, I don't understand why I should stay away from certain places and stay away from certain people. After I get saved, I just don't understand why I should separate myself from some things in the world and, and some people in the world. Well, I, I, again, just be obedient. Just do what God says, and then your understanding will come. It doesn't come before the obedience. Obedience comes before the understanding. i got to quit. I'm out of time. But listen. If you're spiritual here this morning, you you can say, Amen, preacher, you're right on. I understand all three of those seemingly paradoxes from the Bible. But if you're carnal, if you haven't surrendered to the Holy Spirit, or if you're lost, you're you're having a tough time understanding what I'm talking about. That's where faith comes in. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior... (laughs) I can tell you that you're a sinner. I can tell you that there's a penalty for that sin. I can tell you that Jesus Christ paid the penalty. But until you believe it, with the measure of faith that God has dealt to every single person. You see, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you might say, well, I don't have enough faith to believe that. Yes, you do. God has dealt to every person a measure of faith. Enough faith to believe that you're a sinner. There's a penalty for that sin, that Jesus Christ paid the penalty, and if you ask him, he'll save you. Every person has been dealt that much faith. Would you exercise it this morning? Would you? Would you try God out? It's amazing to me. People in the world that reject Christ, they'll try all sorts of new things, all sorts of new experiences, all sorts of new places, and yet the most important thing in their life they won't even try. That's, what, that's all God asks. God says, just give me a chance. Just try me. Exercise that faith that I've dealt to every man and see if I won't change your life. See if I won't change uh, your, your existence. He will. All things become new. We're new creatures in Jesus Christ. 
Same thing if you're here this morning, you've already been saved, but you've been fighting the Holy Spirit. Say, oh no, I, 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 I'm going to keep charge of, uh, of, of my body. I'm going to keep charge of my mind. I'm going to keep charge of my own spirit. I'm not going to yield any of it to you. Well, you can be saved and you can still go to heaven, but you're not going to enjoy life very much. And by the way, I think you're going to take a while to adjust when you get to heaven. The more you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit the more abundant life that God can give you down here and the more you'll enjoy heaven when you get there. Now, I'm not saying that the carnal man's not going to enjoy heaven because heaven's a whole lot better than hell and we're going to enjoy heaven. I'm just saying you'll be better prepared to enjoy the things of God when you get there if you yield yourselves to the Holy Spirit while you are here. And by the way, that verse in Romans says, which is our reasonable service. It's reasonable. After everything that God did for us on Calvary, it's reasonable for us to present our bodies a living sacrifice unto him. So let me ask you this morning. If you're here and you're not saved, what's stopping you? What's keeping you back from exercising that faith to trust Jesus Christ? That's why you're here this morning. You didn't come by accident if you're not saved. You came on, uh, by the plan of God. So that you could hear that you were a sinner and that you needed a Savior and that Jesus is the only one. If you're here this morning and you haven't surrendered to the Holy Spirit, why not just put up the white flag and say, okay, I surrender. I give up. I'm tired of living my life on my own. I've made a mess of it. Or maybe you've done pretty good. Doesn't matter. You're going to make a mess of it if you're still trying to do it on your own. I surrender. Holy Spirit, take charge. Take charge. I'm yours. And if you're here and you're spiritual, you're trying to give yourself to the Holy Spirit, keep at it. Keep at it. It's something Paul says, I die daily. I have to die daily to self so that I can give myself to the Holy Spirit. So I want you to do something this morning. I want you to make a decision. I want you to let God speak to you and let the Holy Spirit speak to you and do something. Maybe it's to get saved. Maybe it's to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's to say to the Holy Spirit, you got some of me, you're going to get more of me. And more of me. And more of me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the discernment that comes from your Holy Spirit. And I pray that we would listen. And Father, we'd just not be hearers of the word, but that we'd be doers. I pray for those that are here that have never asked Jesus to be their Savior. Would you help them this morning? Put aside all the excuses. Would you help them to see their sin? Would you help them to see the penalty of that sin? And would you help them to exercise that faith that you've dealt to every man and come and receive Christ as their Savior? I pray for those who are here and are saved but have never surrendered any part of themselves to the Holy Spirit. Father, help them this morning to make that conscious decision to say, Holy Spirit, I am yours. Move in. He's already there, but move into this area of my life. Take control. Take charge. And Father, for the folks that are spiritual here this morning, that are trying to live their life under the control of the Holy Spirit, help them to do it more. Help them to turn over every corner, every area of their life that they haven't yet to the control of the Holy Spirit. I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.